Content in this episode may contain information and discussions of grief and trauma, childbirth, sexual assault, racial discrimination, pregnancy, violence, or mental health, and more, which some listeners could find triggering. This podcast is not intended for young listeners, so please listen responsibly. If you find yourself being triggered or affected by the content of this podcast, please reach out to a mental health professional in your area or call a national hotline for support. Welcome to the Twisted Sisterhood Podcast, hosted by Ashley Mitchell and Kelsey Vanderbilt Ranyard, a podcast by birth moms for birth moms to give a platform to a silenced voice in the triad. You can find us on Instagram at Twisted Sisterhood Podcast, on Facebook at Twisted Sisterhood, and Twitter at Birth Mom Podcast. Give us a follow and use our hashtag, There Goes the Sisterhood. And if they don't give you a seat at the table, bring a folding chair. another episode of the Twisted Sisterhood podcast. I'm your co-host Ashley Mitchell, joined by the amazing Kelsey in California. Hi. I'm really excited about this episode today. Uh, Kelsey and I have been talking about wanting to do this for a while and there has been a podcast series going around our adoption community called the Enneagram Journey. This is a three-part series on adoption, trauma, and the Enneagram with Suzanne Stabile and Dr. Barbara Ryla, which is fantastic. If you haven't listened to it, it's so good. And there's so much insight that um, has just been really powerful. And so Kelsey and I decided to do our own little series to kind of piggyback off of that and talk about the Enneagram a little bit and what it looks like for us individually and how it's affected the way that we kind of have handled our platform and our own trauma as being birth moms. Right. So if you're sitting here thinking, uh, I don't really understand what they're talking about. What is Enneagram? We were kind of in that same place about a year ago. It's a personality type. I think we sort of thought it was like a horoscope type of thing, but it is not. There are nine types of people in the world, which is comforting because we're not that unique, (laughs) Uh, but also kind of bizarre at the same time, because I always thought there was many, many types of people. What you do is you take the test. We have a test uh, that we will link, and it's called the FAST Enneagram test. Now, you can take many different types of tests, but this is fast. This is free. It takes limited time out of your day. So what we want you to do when you take the test is approach it with honesty No one has to know your answers and there's no wrong answer because you are who you are. There's 36 questions. Take it as a gut reaction and not what you aspire to be. Take it as what you do. It's going to ask what you focus on, what you tend to do, what you prefer to do. So take it in that way. Don't look at it like what you wish you did or what you think you would like to do in the future. Just be honest. So yeah, it's at enneagramtest.net and we'll link it so you can take it. Yeah. So Kelsey and I have both taken this test. We actually took it at the same time and it was Mm -hmm. like, wow, like I finally like (laughs) understand who I am. One of the really cool things about the Enneagram Journey podcast um, that Suzanne Stabile talks about, um, they dive into helping us understand that our personality types and our numbers and who we are is dictated by the time we're five, which is Mm mind-blowing. And so 
we are who we are at a very early age and those numbers don't change. And so being able to understand that it really answers a lot of questions. And so I'm going to have Kelsey start and just kind of share her number and then we'll kick it back to me. But, um, it was really eye opening taking the test. Yeah. Uh, we, yeah, we were, we took it in the same room together. It was <laughs> satisfying, I guess, in a way to really understand ourselves and each other too, because we've been friends for a few years now and it just helps us understand each other a lot better. I think. Um, I am a number one. I, it's like the reformer. So Enneagrams have their basic fears, their basic desires. And my basic fear as a one is of being corrupt or evil or seen as bad, defective, not useful. My basic desire is to be good, to be, have integrity, to be balanced, to be useful. And so my motivations, I want to be right. I want to improve things. Ethics, that's my thing. I Shocker love justice. to be a lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing is my self-critic is very loud in my head. And I have a desire to be beyond that criticism from other people too. Um, I want to defeat my self-critic and all critics. <laughs> I just want to be, I want to be good. I want to be right. I want to be, I want to be a, a force to be reckoned with, I guess, sometimes, you know? So Kelsey's approach is very black and white. Mm -hmm. um, it's very right and wrong. It's ethical or not. And those lines are very, very clear for her. There's little gray area for Kelsey. <laughs> <laughs> I see the gray area. I acknowledge the gray area. I don't like to live there, you know, <laughs> stay over there. So for me, and, and I understand some of you that are listening to this aren't going to buy into like the numbers on the, you know, personality and the strength finders and all those things. And that's totally okay. Kelsey and I are not experts on the Enneagram. Mm -hmm or anything else for that matter, <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. But Kelsey and I have 100% become experts on our own life and our own personalities and our own trauma and things that are patterns and our unhealthy coping skills and all of these things. We are very aware of all of the things that we do well and the things that we don't do well. Um, and so whether you buy into the Enneagram itself or any other process of personality defining tests. I don't care what it is, but if you can't get to a place where you can really know and understand yourself intimately, I don't know how you function as a human in this right. society. Like you have to know your patterns and your behaviors to be able to be a contributing member of society. And, and yeah, if you want to develop relationships that are worth a damn in, in any aspect, you have to be able to understand how other people function too. And Kelsey and I will talk a little bit about how we support each other. Um, but for me, I am a three solid 100%, no questions asked. I am a three. I am the achiever. I am the cheerleader. I am the community builder. I am the, the hype man, right? And I am the person that can get shit done. I work hard. I'm passionate. I have vision. I have ways to implement um, forward movement. 
and I'm going to sit with you and encourage you and support you to do the same. Um, my biggest issue, and this is, this is not new and, and Kelsey is being my friend now for a few years <laughs> has really seen this play out, but that my 100% my worth and who I believe I am to the very core is wrapped up in what I accomplish and the opinions of others. Instead of just saying that I have worth just as Ashley, if I just show up who I am, all masks off, all scripted vulnerability out the window, and I am just me, my biggest fear is that I will not be worthy of love and acceptance. And that is crushing. Threes notoriously think they have the worst number. We're chameleons. It's we're the hardest to know because I can be anybody that anyone needs me to be in any given situation because I am the voice that rallies the troops. Mm -hmm. I can adjust to whatever troop I'm trying to rally. And so I, because I'm the chameleon, people think that they know me in any given situation, but the people that actually really know the most vulnerable parts of me are very, very, very small. And that's a very lonely space. Um, and it's terrifying to say that if I just showed up, you know, people think that I'm so raw and vulnerable and I am, it's not fake but it's very scripted. And I make mm -hmm. sure that what you know about me is going to accomplish conversation and community building and all of these things that are really, really important to me without letting you actually know who I am. Right. <laughs> if you yeah. need someone to pick you up and cheer you on and validate you and support you, you come to me all day. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that's been awesome about having a friend like Kelsey, uh, which isn't always easy, <laughs> is that because she's so black and white, and people say a lot of crap about me a lot, actually. Um, people send me private messages. I've, I mean, in the last two months, I've had you know, five or six people send me messages about you should kill yourself and the world would be better off without you. And people have been saying a lot of crap on social media and all this crap. For me, for most, for someone like Kelsey, they're like, well, obviously that is dumb and they're stupid and that's a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> Absurd. For, for me though, I literally take that as truth and take pause to say, is that true? Would the world be better off if I was not here? And so having someone like Kelsey that's going, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> when I need maybe something a little softer. Yeah. Um. But I need someone like Kelsey because she sees things so black and white, she can cut through the bullshit really quick. Mm -hmm. And um, she helps diminish the lies very quickly. And that's powerful for me. Um, but it forces me to sit in really uncomfortable spaces with one of my closest friends. And I yeah. know it's the same for her in the way that I'm a friend to her. Oh, yeah. Because the way that <laughs> Ashley's a friend to me, it's rare to find friends that are honest with you especially female friends mm -hmm. we know we're all for the women but it's hard to find a core group of female friends because they think they know what's best for you they yeah. think they know you better than you know yourself and yeah. there's a lot of toxicity that can come with that ashley for me has been the type of friend that has my back always, where I've had a lot of friends who say they have your back. And I mean business. 
So when I'm like, let's make a change, let's really do this, let's get in there, people are like, now hold on a second. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't expect it was going to be like this. And I'm like, well, you're stupid for not knowing. But So, but Ashley's the type of person who's always has my back. Like if I'm going to sit in the jail cell, she's going to be right next to me. But here's the other thing that comes with that. She's an unconditional loving friend, but unconditional doesn't mean comfortable. I will sometimes say things that (laughs) may come across a little harsh or just downright offensive. And then I will, of course, get the reactions that follow. And then I am sitting here like, well, what I'm saying is true. You know it's true. And then, you know, I tell Ashley and Ashley's like, well, you know why they're saying that. (laughs) Of course they're offended. Of course it's going to be like that. And I get in a funk when that happens because I'm like, well, you don't have my back then because you just don't understand. Oh. Ashley's drinking the Kool-Aid again. She doesn't get it either. (laughs) I'm silencing you, Kelsey. (laughs) And then I take some time, I mull it over, and I think, okay, I may be right, but that doesn't automatically mean that other people are wrong. And maybe it means they're not ready to hear this message in this way. Yeah. And Ashley's the type of person that walks you through it step by step, and she's here for you every step of the way. She'll hold your hand. And I'm the type of person, I'm already at the finish line. I'm waiting on you. Let's go. And, but Ashley brings them. It's funny because this is a real thing, especially on our platforms. I'll have months where I get a bunch of people that unfollow me. All right, bye. And then a couple, like maybe a year later, they come back and they follow me again. And they're kind of like, oh, I can't believe I ever thought that way. And I'm like, yeah. (laughs) Me too. And then, but Ashley, they've stayed following Ashley the whole time. Yeah. Because Ashley holds their hand and I am in, I am in no business of handholding, <laughs> but that's me. And that's yeah. the, we just, yeah. we educate different ways, but we have the same common goal. Yeah. So it's been interesting, but I mean, Ashley's been one of the most solid friends I've ever had and unwavering because the support is constant. We hold each other accountable and yeah. I think that's so valuable. Yeah. And I think it's really rare. Kelsey and I, between the two of us, can accomplish more mm-hmm. because we embrace the different tactics that we have in our education because we can accommodate both types of people. And at the end of the day, we're all funneling them into the exact same space and the end goal is the same. Mm-hmm. And so it's not about you know, people get like, you know, you hear the good news, something changed your life and you want to share it with people and they need to do the exact same thing. I tried this oil and it changed my life. Mm. And so I need you to use this oil. And then Kelsey's over there going, yeah, I tried it. It didn't work for me. And I'm sitting here going, well, you did it wrong then. <laughs> like you need to, you did it wrong because it changed my life. How can it not change your life? Right. We all have different ways that we accept information that we learn, that we grow, that we process trauma. And these Enneagram numbers help us come into ourselves as individuals. And the more informed we are, the more we can accomplish because Kelsey and I could not be more different in our tactics, but 
our end goal is the same. And so mm-hmm. we get to, we get to serve a broader group of people in our own individual ways and still end up in the same place, which is awesome. Well, cause our focus is not primarily on me being the leader, you being the leader. Right. Our focus is on the goal. Yeah. And so when we take our focus away from self, we accomplish a whole hell of a yeah. lot more. Yeah. And it's hard for me, you know, as a three, notoriously, we think that we're the worst number because we're the hardest to know and that the ones think that they're the best number. Wow. (laughs) Well, (laughs) number one, I I don't make the rules. I'm just saying. (laughs) She's just enforcing the rules and making sure that they play out. Correct. (laughs) Um, But threes can come across very arrogant and narcissistic because our worth is based on what we achieve. So we're the overachievers and want to accomplish all these things. And it can come across braggish, but really, if you really understand that type, it really is about the purpose and accomplishing change and supporting others to get there. And so if we can understand these things and learn these things about each other, we can support each other better. Um, So Kelsey, knowing and learning these things about yourself, looking back, how has your number and your personality ingrained in who you were clear back to when you were a young child how have you seen that play out in the way that you've handled your own grief and trauma and experiences well i thought it was interesting on that podcast um the enneagram journey how they talked about your enneagram is something you have your number is something you have very early on your personality is like fully developed by age five and that's very true for me i see that Um, My mom would probably tell you she sees that. I was just, I've always been this way. I've always had high expectations for the people around me and not necessarily you have to be this way to be friends with me, but I expect you to grow with me and grow for yourself and do the best that you can always. So I push my friends a lot and I always have my whole life. I'm very, I was, I've just always been very detailed and, and even in my play as a child, when I would play with the neighbors and we would play school and I would have (laughs) lesson plans. I had full lesson plans. Wow. You're a super fun friend. Where? (laughs) Swear to God. I've been that way my whole life. And so And I would be really disappointed when someone didn't want to get on board. (laughs) And I would, well, why wouldn't you? This is so much fun. Um, But I also remember as a child and into my teenage years, um, always being told I'm too much. I'm just too much, um, too much energy. Uh, I come on too strong. I haven't always been like an enforcer, but I think that my approach to things is very strategic. It's very well thought out. And that's a lot for people. Uh, I've always been told you need to relax. You need to not be so uptight. Um, I remember a couple different scenarios where I had a crush on a boy, you know, middle school, high school, and I told them or I told my friends to go, you know, see if he likes me. And they would come back and say, oh, they just like you as a friend. You're just too much for them. They said you have too much energy. It's too much to take on. 
and that crushed me like that that was a deep cut because I just wanted someone to really appreciate me for who I was and I understood too that I didn't what I didn't understand is that maybe I was a little too detailed for my age group and a little (laughs) too ahead in that space not that I was like smarter than everyone. I was just like, I wanted to have a plan always. And yeah. and in high school, people are like, okay, uh, we're at a party, Kelsey. Stop talking about your hopes and dreams. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so people wouldn't say that you were the most spontaneous person. No. <laughs> Can you believe that? What an <laughs> outrage. <laughs> but I think I remember you know, after we took that test, I kind of realized like, it's not bad to have a purpose. It's not bad to feel like you're on a mission. It's not bad. You should try to relax sometimes, but who you are is not bad. And the right people will appreciate you for your good qualities that people have thought were bad qualities. So, um, and then also it's just helped me so much to understand, um, where I go, when I'm unhealthy, where I go in stress and how to get yourself out of those dark places much quicker. So I read this book. It's an amazing book. It's called The Universe Has Your Back uh, by Gabrielle Bernstein. I love her. She's like a spiritual mentor. Um, She's amazing. But she wrote this book about talking about, you know, everyone comes to her all the time and like, how, how do I stay centered? I need to stay centered a hundred percent of the time. Like, how do I always stay in that mindset? And she's like, that is unrealistic Mm -hmm. and not possible. And she talked about how life experience is going to pull you out of your center all the time. It just, it just is. And the key is to having the tools and the understanding to bring you back to center quicker and healthier, right? Like you were just Mm -hmm. talking about, we Mm -hmm. can process through these things. The better we know ourselves, the quicker we can come back to home base after life experience pulls us out. I think it's been positive to be less acquainted, less familiar with misery. Yes. Because when you stay in that space, you start to like it. Like you start to just dwell there and be cool with it. And that's familiar to you and that's comfortable to you. And then there's a part too where the attention you get from other people when you're in that space becomes addictive and so on. I notice when I grieve now, I, I'm, out, I'm, I'm out for a bit and I'm back. But I do not go through these things where I'm out for months and months and months like I used to be. Yeah. I can find my way out. That could be adding up several different things in my life that, you know, I know that part of it at least is that I know how to get back. Yeah. Yeah. And that's from knowing yourself. Yeah. And really understanding that process. Mm -hmm. So coming back to the Enneagram journey and that three part series, um, just from my own journey as a birth mother specifically, they talk about one of the women that are, that are sharing is an adoptee and they talk about some really tough stuff on there. They're talking about raising children through trauma. So they focus a lot on the kids that were born into situations where they were separated from their parents. Mm-hmm. And they talk about adoption families being built on the graves 
of families that died. Right. And that's intense. That thought and that mindset that these adoptive families are building new families on the graves of families that died, which would have been us, AKA the biological families. Right. And they talk a lot about the children experiencing and knowing and understanding being unwanted and rejected and abandoned clear even into the womb. Mm -hmm. Now for a birth mother, when our narrative is that we loved our children so much that we did this amazing thing, that stings a lot. Mm -hmm. Being able to hear that our children felt that they were unwanted in the womb, Mm -hmm. that's a lot. I think for me, it's like that reality that there was a period of time where the child was unwanted, this pregnancy was unwanted. And that also coexists with the reality that I wanted very much to take him home. I loved him more than anything. And so that's the complexity and that's the gray area that I hate living in so much (laughs) is that there are so many layers to this and so many feelings, so many conflicting feelings felt all at the same time. And it's hard to break those down and really try to understand those. But I, it's so necessary yeah. to do. Yeah. As a one, it's easier for you to say and be more black and white and say, mm-hmm. my child was loved. He was wanted. I made this decision that was best for him. Mm-hmm. That black and white is easier than maybe the reality. For me, as a three, I want to make sure that everyone's okay. Yeah with with the reality of this pain and loss so i can script this vulnerable and Mm -hmm. raw post that says i've had this painful loss we've had this painful grief and trauma but there's also hope right? right so i can form this narrative that makes everybody feel good and that rallies the community for forward movement and loving birth mothers well and all of these things but for me that is not actually as authentic as I wish I could be because I'm afraid that if people really knew that at the heart of it, that there were moments that my son was actually unwanted, that I would do unspeakable things to try and force a miscarriage. Mm -hmm. I don't want people to know that. And I know that adoptees, the thought of my son knowing those things is crushing, but how do I heal and move forward and live my most honest and true self that can show up and be loved unconditionally if I can't acknowledge that these things exist? Well, and the reality is you're always going to be a birth mom. That's forever. We wear that title forever, you know. That'll never not be true. Right. So how do we take these things without ignoring them and avoiding them? How do we take these things and cope? But not only cope, we can't settle for just coping. We have yeah. to overcome and, um, and move forward and, and try to strive to be healthy and functional, you know? But, but that's a lot of work. I think people are talking about these things, but it's all superficial. It's all very surface level. It's all very elementary. And we can all get behind these concepts, Mm -hmm. 
but who is actually diving deeper into that and really healing and is our community as birth mothers specifically capable of doing the work i have countless countless women over the last decade that i've been serving birth moms that have come to me that have taken my workshops that have gone to my retreats that have followed my journey over and over without fail come to me and say i'm not better mm -hmm. and i'm like well did you actually implement any of the things that i told you i can go to my therapist all day every day pay her hundreds and hundreds of dollars and she can give me all of these tools if i don't do a damn bit of work mm -hmm. i will never ever ever change grow evolve and i will always be a victim and i think our biggest block as a community is we don't want to do the work oh completely we've talked about how you know lifetime healing foundation you have support groups nationwide uh the goal is to have one every 30 miles yeah there is not one every 30 miles at the moment it's a slow right. process it's yeah. hard there, yeah. we have to train people you have to have the right people doing these groups and also support group isn't for everybody either people there are some people that are not going to really benefit as much as another person from support group so we can wait years and years to have the support come to us mm -hmm. but even when the support comes to us after 50 years <laughs> i hope it's not that long <laughs> we still have to show up and do the work and take That's the work right. home and do the work and look in the mirror and do the work yeah. so i think it's in all of our best interest to start doing the work now and when not if but when the support comes to you in your area you go to that support with the right frame of mind to mm -hmm. take it on and keep growing we actually all have already wired within us the skills to do the work now there's a lot of people though that also think well, they're just, I can't be helped. My story is too complex. It's too intricate. It's too unique. Uh, you don't understand. What do you think about that? <laughs> well, I, I think that is such a damaging narrative. And I know there's going to be a lot of birth moms that are going to be listening that are going to be mad about that. And that's okay. You can be mad at me, but I will still sit with <laughs> you in the gray area and hold your hand while you're mad at me. Kelsey will not. I get mad at her all the time. <laughs> she will be sitting at the end going, mm -hmm, I told you so, I've been waiting. <laughs> but without fail, I have at least three, three or four messages a week from birth moms that'll come to me through Instagram, through private messages that'll say, my story's so different. I've gone through something that's so unique. I, no one has ever been through this. This is so hard. And they'll share this crazy story and I'll be like, yeah, I heard that three days ago. Mm -hmm. Like it's so great. And you talked about, there's only actually nine personality types that doesn't allow for a lot of uniqueness. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Uh, which is good. It's commonality. It's ways that we can relate. It builds community, but it also in an unhealthy space makes people feel like they're not being heard or validated. But when we put on this narrative that our story is so unique and so different and so extreme in our trauma that no one will ever get us you're already you're already giving up 
You've right. already flat out said that there is no way that I can move forward because no one can actually sit with me and understand. I think that's an excuse mm -hmm. to not do the work. Mm -hmm. Now, I also have to be respectful in the fact that these women that feel that way about their story are not necessarily in a space right. where they can see that they're not that unique. Right. And not your story not being unique does not mean that your story doesn't matter. Right. that your pain isn't real, that your trauma doesn't exist. It just means that there are people that can't understand what you're going through. Right. Which is what community is all about. I, I know what I need to do. I know the ways that I am healthy, but I also know where I go when I'm not. Right. And I know you've done that work. Yes. So I'm going to ask you a question and I'm going to put you on the spot with this question. <laughs> do you think that our birth mother community as a whole is capable. Do you think we are in a mindset of more forward movement and healing or more in a mindset of sitting in victimhood and stuckness? Well, I think that's an interesting question because it assumes that we are all in the same place and that we're all in the same frame of mind. And in reality, the only thing that we have in common with the birth mother community is that we're birth mothers. Hmm. And I mean, every single birth mother, the only thing that we all have in common with each yeah. other is that we're birth mothers because yeah. we're all very different women. You know, it's just interesting because I know a lot of women who I see them all the time on, on, you know, social media and they don't seem to be getting better. They don't seem to be, it's the same it's the same struggles and you know a lot of us go through struggles and but we have to get to know ourselves and and climb out of that victimhood and we have to we have to do better at some point so i see a lot of women stuck in the same excuse the same you know um the rut and then I also see a lot of people who surprise me all the time and they grow and they change and they move forward in healthy ways. And, and it's amazing. Um, and I think the thing that, you know, it's up to us and you can have all the things in the world and still be shitty and and not know anything about yourself you can yeah. go to you can go to therapy every week for the rest of your life and not know shit about yourself yeah so i think that's where it really is up to us we can't wait for people to do it for us we have to do it for ourselves um but i think one of the great things about this podcast is i i hope that we can do our best and, and bring these tools and knowledge and resources to these women mm -hmm. so that we can all kind of do that together and yeah. try to grow together. Yeah. We're, none of us are immune. <laughs> we're, we're all mm -hmm. in the throes of it. Mm -hmm. And I, I think we're capable of doing it, but again, coming back to the more intimately, you know, yourself, even the painful realizations about yourself, the ugly things that no one likes to admit about themselves are really the keys to freedom. Yeah. To, to a relief. 
mm-hmm. to to forward movement to letting go of some of these burdensome things 100% come from understanding why we do the things that we do yeah there's huge relief in that mm-hmm but we need to understand the places that we go during the dark times and learn to celebrate the things that we do really well. And that's not a natural instinct for most people. Right. Um, so with that, we will see you next week when we dig in a little deeper. We're going to get into where you go when you're in stress, where you go when you're in growth. Um, Believe it or not, we actually take on the behaviors of other types when we are in those two periods. I think it's really interesting because if you're feeling a little bit boxed in by your type, don't worry because you're going to go to some pretty dark places (laughs) and some pretty nice places. So you get to go on vacation. It's going to be a trip. So um, join us in the conversation on our Instagram. We're going to be talking about what type you are. So take the test this week. Do Do a little digging. We're going to put some resources out there for you as well. So, Yeah, we want you to sit in some self-discovery this week and be excited about it. It's it's cool when you get to really understand yourself. And I promise you, if you will lean into it and accept it, you're going to be able to learn to trust yourself and make healthier decisions for your life because you have a lot more understanding about those things. We're excited about that. And even if you've already taken the test and you know your number, do some more digging this week because we're going to learn some more. Yeah. Okay. We'll see you next week.